Okay, well, welcome back to the show, guys. You are listening to Deep Dive for Life, the show where we take a deep dive into Scripture each week, and we have a bit of a doozy for you this week. Hmm. Uh, this is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. This parable is very unique. Um, most of Jesus' parable, none of Jesus' parables mention names mm. like this one does. Mm. Uh, usually it's a certain man or that kind of thing. But here, um, the rich man is not identified, but the poor man is. Lazarus is identified. Mm -hmm. um, and he has conversations with Abraham, who is identified. So uh, this is a unique parable. Luke is the only gospel writer to include some of Jesus' parables, like the Good Samaritan. Mm -hmm are the prodigal son. Uh, those parables only appear in the Gospel of Luke. Mm -hmm. And this parable is another parable that is unique to Luke's Gospel, uh, the rich man um, and Lazarus. And it, it deals with topics of life, death, and eternity, which people have a lot of questions about. Yeah. So let's just dive straight into it here. We are reading from Luke ch chapter 16. Uh, this is starting at verse 19 says, there was a rich young man, and this is Jesus talking, by the way, a bunch of uh, red letters here. There was a rich young man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell, out, what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs came and licked his sores. So, in a sense, this uh, Jesus' parable, we get a vision of who these men were in life. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a rich man who has everything, has mm -hmm. all the luxuries of life, all the comforts at home. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we have a tendency when we think about rich people to think about people that are above us in economic standing. But, you know, by the world standards, we are all rich. Um, mm -hmm. We are, you know, we have a roof over our head. We have food to eat. Um, and so we, we have... Many of the, well, we have more comforts than this rich man ever dreamed of. Yeah. Um, so he lived in luxury every day, Jesus says. Um, he has purple. He has fine linen. We have purple. We have fine linen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and our lives are very comfortable compared even to this man's life in the first century. Mm. But just outside his gate, at his gate, within rock-throwing distance, or in this case, bread-throwing distance, mm. um, was a beggar named Lazarus. And he's sick, he's covered with sores, um, he's hungry, he longs to eat, and the dogs are his really only allies. Uh, they, they give him some relief by licking his sores. So it's mm. a pretty miserable picture of someone in poverty. Yeah. Here you have a man who just longs to eat stuff that falls from your table. Yes. I mean, that's typically what you would think dogs would do. And yet we have a man who is living amongst the dogs who basically, maybe even from this rich man's perspective, was a dog. But he does share scraps with him. He doesn't mm -hmm. run him off. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, there's you know some thought there, you know, that this is before the invention of paper as we know it, napkins, that kind of thing. That mm -hmm. would not have been thought of. And so it's possible that um, bread um, in a very rich setting would be used to wipe your hands off with and that those breadcrumbs would be then tossed to the dogs, or in this case, to Lazarus. Hmm. And his name is significant, uh, the Lord is my help, Lazarus. Um, and so even though he doesn't have anyone other than the dogs advocating for him, God will be his help. God is his help. And just to clarify, this is not the same Lazarus. 
Right. The, the Lazarus in the Gospel of John is situated differently. He's the brother of Mary and Martha and dies, and Jesus raises him from the dead. Mm-hmm. But the topics of life and death are, and resurrection yes. are yes. in both stories, mm-hmm. as well as the name. Mm-hmm. So going on, starting in verse 22 again, uh, the time came when the beggar died, mm-hmm. and the angel carried him to Abraham's side. Yeah. As a child, this verse really bothered me. I think the translation I grew up with didn't say Abraham's side. It said Abraham's bosom, which made it even weirder for me as a child. Mm. Because I was thinking, okay, this poor man who doesn't have anything to eat dies. And then he's carried to this old man's chest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds awful. But Abraham is the ancestor of the Jewish people. Um, Just as we realize that heaven is where Jesus is. You know, from an Old Testament Hebrew perspective, to be in the same place that Abraham is, mm-hmm. I mean, that's paradise. So uh, for the angels, uh, God's messengers, to carry this man um, to the bosom of Abraham, to the side of Abraham, is a really good thing. Yeah. And we have a lot of questions about what happens when we die. Mm-hmm. Jesus, of course, um, is as comfortable in heaven as he is on earth and can speak about both places and so we get insight here because this man is carried by the angels. Hmm. Um, so that's a pretty powerful image, too, uh, that God sends his messengers uh, to carry his children. Uh, and by the way, this is just a beggar. Yeah. I mean, he's not a man of any importance. Uh, you see that uh, it also mentions, continuing in that verse, the rich man also died. So here we have the the beggar actually being raised up yes, as opposed to the rich young man. But Jesus gives us a, a, a pretty important picture here. And in, in death, the rich man is buried. There's no mention of Lazarus being buried. Mm. But he is honored by God by being transported by angels. I mean, that would be a pretty cool mm-hmm. thing. And it, it points out the reality that we don't like to think of. Everybody dies. Mm-hmm. Um, the poor man dies. The rich man dies. Uh, death is no respecter of position. Um, And even though we don't like to talk about death, people that talk about death are considered to be morbid, Mm -hmm. um, preparing for something that is a certainty Mm -hmm. um, makes some sense. Yeah. (laughs) To prepare spiritually, to prepare a will. I mean, those are things that that people need to think through. Um, How how do you want, what legacy do you want to leave behind and what, what, um, even the, the state of how your things are organized. Yeah. Because death is coming for all of us if, if the Lord tarries. Mm-hmm. So here's the story of two men who lived very differently and two men who die, but the, the their destiny at death is different. Yeah. So I think part of what Jesus wants us to understand is not everybody goes to the same place. Mm. And that too is a shocking thought for you know, for for this generation. Mm. Um, because even at funerals, we try to emphasize the positive and good things that people did. And we don't um, like to think of anybody going to a place of torment. Um, but, you know, Jesus speaks more about hell than any other person in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And he's also the one who died so that we would have to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe God sends anybody to hell. I think we choose uh, a life without God, and that continues on into eternity. Yeah, Two men in life, two men in death. And then Jesus paints a, a very fascinating picture of two men in eternity. Mm-hmm. A couple of things that I've just noted from this so far 
is that Jesus is drawing a very strong relation between this parable and what he said on the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. I mean, he says that the uh, blessed are the blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. Not well, meek can inherit the earth. But oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, there was uh, maybe it was poor, poor in spirit. Maybe that yes, in, yes, inherited yes. The, uh, Those who like know it. how much they need God. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and typically, if you ever see a rich person portrayed in any of Jesus's teachings, they are who you don't want to be in those stories. Yeah, and that seems to be a corrective mm. because um, there are parts of the Old Testament particularly that kind of give a health and wealth version of yeah. things yeah. where, you know, if you are obedient, God will bless mm-hmm. and your $5 will become $10, which will become $20. Mm-hmm. And so there's that kind of image. But we learn from the story of Job mm-hmm. and other stories that things are not that simple. Um, and that um, people who struggle financially can also be obedient to God. Yeah. Uh, so prosperity can be a sign of God's blessing, but it's not the only sign. Yeah. Riches and comfort become distractions and temptations for us. Yeah. Um, here is this man who, um, as we keep reading, will discover that you know it doesn't make a list of the rich man's sins. Mm-hmm. But there's an obvious thing here where you've got a man who is in need and the rich man is concerned about himself. Mm. He doesn't get that he is blessed to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get that that he has these resources so that he can use them to make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. He uses them on himself. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. Mm -hmm. So this this parable really is um, an indictment to... um, Selfishness and focusing on our own comfort instead of being a channel of God's blessing and grace and mercy. Okay, well then let's look on the other side of this. Then let's, if we were in this rich man's perspective, if we were in this rich man's place, maybe he thought that by giving him, because he let him have the breadcrumbs, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe he thought that that was. Enough. Enough, yeah. Yeah. Obviously it's not because mm-hmm. the, the man dies. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that point's a lesson too. You can't survive off crumbs. So you're saying you can't survive off spiritual crumbs either? Yeah, I don't think you can there either, physical mm-hmm. or spiritual. Uh, we need more. Mm-hmm. We need more. And, and I think the Bible is consistent in its teaching and Jesus is consistent in his teaching that followers of God need to be concerned for the least of these. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be concerned about those who don't have enough to eat, yeah. for those who don't have shelter, who don't. Um, and, and whether you're looking at another parable in Matthew's gospel that's unique to Matthew's gospel about you know Jesus dividing the sheep mm-hmm. and goats, and he says to those on his right, I was hungry, you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. So a concern for the least of these. And, and, and in that same breath, God values each and every life. Mm-hmm. You know, if we recorded a conversation between the neighbors after these two deaths, there'd be probably a lot of discussion about the rich man because he was a valued member of the community. Mm-hmm. And there might be just a passing reference and, oh, yeah, the beggar died. Who? Yeah. Well, you know, that guy that used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wasn't he a dog walker or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, he had dogs all the time. 
So we don't get that. We don't get the value of each and every person who's been made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. But Scripture does. Mm-hmm. And an, another just kind of odd thing that I've noticed here, um, he mentions how he gets carried to Abraham's side. Yeah. Typically, whenever we think of death, it's always Peter. Right. Right. Peter so hadn't come along. Peter yet. hadn't come along yet. So is that saying that Abraham was there first and then Peter kind of swapped places? Are they having like a shift thing going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Peter idea is popular mythology mm-hmm. and um well, he appears in a lot of jokes. Yeah, I get to heaven yeah. and I talk to St. Peter, mm-hmm. he gets to give him a tour, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um and from a scriptural basis, Jesus does um give the early disciples the keys, mm-hmm. you know, and so pick Peter in Renaissance art is pictured with keys and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think as Peter represents the church, Abraham represents the old covenant relationship with God. Mm. And that's an important thing to point out. Um, Abraham was saved by faith. Powerful verse in the Old Testament that's quoted throughout the New Testament. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that Abraham was righteous. It was he, he trusted God and mm-hmm. was credited to righteous. Credit. He received righteousness as mm-hmm. a gift, just as we do when mm-hmm. we put our trust in faith, when we entrust ourselves to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not through works so that no one can boast. We're God's workmanship created for good works in Christ. So we're made to be a channel of his blessing. But we're saved by grace through faith. And it's it's not, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and address the comment section here. I'm not saying that, oh, well, it obviously we thought that it was Peter and it says Abraham, so something's wrong here. It's uh, Honestly, I think when we die, I don't think we'd care. <laughs> yeah, um, heaven is where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. But this parable of, of Jesus brings out another important point. Um, there are people that believe that we kind of dissolve into a mystic force or, mm. you know, if we're in Hinduism, we believe that we're a drop of water returning to the ocean, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But in Jesus' vision of eternity, which, of course, he is the authority, mm-hmm. the one we need to which, put our trust which he's, in. Which he's seen. Yes. So, I mean, he kind of knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, people are still people. Mm. Our basic personality has not changed. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we'll discover that the rich man is still selfish. Mm-hmm. And so you remain you and I remain me for all eternity. Mm-hmm. And that may be a comfort, but it's also kind of a scary thought too. But we don't lose our personality and we don't lose our relationships. Uh, as we keep reading in the story, you'll see that the, the rich man knows that Lazarus is there and he knows that he was the rich man and Lazarus was the beggar and you know, he knows those relationships. Yeah. Um, death does not change those things. Yeah. Getting back to the story here, I think we're picking up in verse 23. It says, In Hades, where he was in torment, this is talking about the rich man, mm-hmm. he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. Mm. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those 
who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Okay. So here we have a, a picture of um, life after death mm. prior to the cross and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's a divide mm-hmm. and there's a place of torment and a place of comfort. Mm-hmm. And so that, that much we see. And the rich man is still pretty selfish. He wants the poor man Lazarus to leave his place of comfort and um, give him some temporary relief yeah. by dipping his finger in water and putting it on his tongue. Mm-hmm. Or to say that another way, the rich man still feels entitled. Yeah. And it, it kind of just emphasizes the differences because if he would have done this himself while he was alive, he may not be in the situation he's currently in. Not saying that that would have saved him or anything, right. but you know, it's the same principle. Yeah. If he would have reached out and helped this man while he was alive, he may not be in torment right now. It's kind right. of the, the roles have reversed here. Yeah. yeah. And good works do not save us. Yes. But good works are evidence of a change that's taken place in our heart. Yes. Um, and so we, we see this evidence lived out in these two people's lives, in mm-hmm. Lazarus' life. And, and it might be good to point out that being poor doesn't save you. Mm-hmm. You know, Lazarus isn't in a place of comfort just because he was poor. Yeah. Um, God is my help. He has a relationship with God. It's that saving relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's also good to point out that both of these people see Abraham as their father. So mm-hmm. just being a descendant of Abraham isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And, and we rely on our heritage rather than a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that is kind of just an interesting point because you always see whenever you're reading the Old Testament, it's always talking about this specific group of people typically mm-hmm. where God's work kind of resides. Mm. Not saying that he can't work in other places. It's just that's what's recorded too. But uh, it's, it's just interesting that people may have had the thought um, – okay, well, it kind of depends on what my bloodline is. Yes, people really did have that thought. Um, in fact, Jesus' enemies will say, hey, we're children of Abraham. Yeah. We're okay. Mm-hmm. We don't need what you're offering. Even Paul mentions it. Yes. I mean, he says, like, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, right. circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes, he does say that. Uh, uh, he gives his pedigree there, mm-hmm. uh, but he'll go on to say that I consider all of that to be Rubbish, mm-hmm. excrement even, mm-hmm. is, is the actual language there, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Mm-hmm. So um, those things may be impressive, but they don't save us. Yeah. And so from a modern standpoint, I mean, we could list, you know, oh, hey, I taught Sunday school, I mm-hmm. you know, served the church in this way mm-hmm. or that way, but it really is about our relationship with Jesus. It's, it's not the faith of our grandparents or that we had an uncle who was a preacher. Yeah, um, yeah. It really is a... a individualized personal faith that's important. Yeah, and it's it's not uh, going off the bloodline thing. It's also just, it's not that, well, I'm just going to claim to be a Christian and that's going to that's gonna yes. save me. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's terrifying what, verse in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, many will come to me that day and mm-hmm. they'll say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not just claiming to be a Christian that's important. It, it really is having a relationship with Christ. And that's what God wants for each of us. He yeah. wants to be part of our lives. Um, and so we entrust 
ourselves to him and we're saved by by placing ourselves in God's hand to, to, to believe that what Jesus did on the cross um, provides the forgiveness of our sins and that he rose from the dead empowering us for life. Mm-hmm. So these men have two very different destinies mm-hmm. and two places. Um, they're, they're still who they are, though, and the rich man is not made a saint by death. Uh, he's still the selfish rich man he always was. Yeah. Um, and he's there in, in this place. Of torment. I think we'll start back at verse 27. Okay. This is the rich man again. Uh, he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Okay. He's selfish, mm-hmm. but he loves his family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we were doing his funeral service, we could say that. <laughs> uh, he really loved his family. Mm-hmm. He does not want them to follow him even though they might be good company. I mean, he wants there to be some intervention. Yeah. Um, and there's an honesty there mm-hmm. that, that becomes powerful too. If we can look back on our life and see the foolishness of some of the choices that we've made because we have a different perspective. Yeah. Well, this man's perspective is very different now. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees things very differently than he did in life. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want his brothers to come to the same place. And I feel like he probably isn't the only one who is like, okay, well, you <laughs> who would who if they could reach people on earth would be like, you do not want to right. be here. Like right. and, and I think that's one of the strong the reasons why Jesus is such a strong preacher about the topic of hell mm-hmm. and eternal punishment, because he doesn't want anybody to go there. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he warns us because he loves us. And, and he provides a way where nobody has to perish. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that mm-hmm. whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. So, so God's desire is that no one perish. That's why Jesus came, uh, to seek and to save the lost, uh, to give his life as a ransom uh, for many. Yeah. So that we don't have to end up like this rich man here. And the fact that Jesus is the one telling the story mm-hmm. is a warning in and of itself. I mean, it, it, Jesus is trying to help his us and his original audience see things from the rich man in torment's perspective, hmm. which is eye-opening. Yeah. And it's... It's also kind of the setting the stage for himself, too, because it's like, okay, well, we obviously don't want to go where the rich man went. And it's like, well, here he is. <laughs> Here's Jesus. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of the answer to the Yes, to the problem. dilemma, to yeah. the question. Uh, the very one who's telling this story is the one who makes it possible mm-hmm. for us to have eternity with God, yeah. to, to have an eternal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So going on here, um, Abraham replies to him, uh, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Okay. And and the, there's a little bit of code going on here. The The Jewish Bible is divided into three sections. Mm. Um, the, the law, the prophets, and the writings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes, um, instead of saying the law, the prophets, and the writing, they'll say things like, 
Moses and Elijah. Yeah, yeah. And and when that is said, it usually means all of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, just a shorthand way of referring to the scriptures. Um, and Moses personifies the law, Elijah personifies the prophets. Here the wording is, um, they have Moses and the prophets. So, so what Abraham is really saying here is, hey, they have God's holy word. Uh, they have the old, te- what we call the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, they have the, the the writings that should lead them to a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So Abraham replied, um, "They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them." No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to them, "If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets." They will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Okay. And this, of course, is what Jesus' a story. Coincidence. Who dies and rises from the dead. Mm-hmm. And Jesus tells us very plainly here that there will still be people who will not believe. Mm-hmm. There will still be people who will not entrust their life to God or, or put their faith and trust in Him. Yeah. Even if someone were to rise from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, this story connects the Old and New Testament. Um, in the Old Testament, we're saved through faith in what Jesus is going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him righteousness, but but that's made a reality through Jesus' death on the cross. Mm. So even though they're looking toward that event and we're looking back at that event, um, it's what Jesus did on the cross that brings salvation for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's powerful in the story. There's a tie there because Moses and the prophets talk about Jesus. Hmm. Uh, the Old Testament is about Jesus. Yeah, it's about his death. It's about his resurrection. And there's image and symbol and prophecy and everything under the sun to get us ready for mm-hmm. what Jesus will do uh, for us on Calvary's cross and through the empty tomb. But it also speaks to human nature. Um, if we have decided not to believe, even something as extreme as somebody coming back from the dead is not going to convince us. Yeah. And th- this goes even farther than just people coming from back from the dead. I mean, you look at, it's kind of like people nowadays who maybe want to see these great miracles happen. And uh, right. Jesus is telling us that even if they do see these miracles happen, right, it's not going to change them. Yes. It may in the moment, but it's not really going to change their hearts, though. Yeah. We have a way of explaining things away mm-hmm. or rationalizing or... At a bottom line, we want to do what we want to do. Yep. And and we are reluctant to surrender that to anyone, mm-hmm. even the creator of the universe. Yeah. So he's just saying that, you know, even even if someone rises from the dead, even if all of these great miracles happen, even if people who are still set in their ways are still gonna be set in their ways. Like yes. even in the even talking about uh Moses I mean, what did, what did God call the Israelites then? Like stiff-necked people. Yeah. I mean, they will quickly turn their head back away from you. Uh, and human nature hasn't changed from then till now. No, it really hadn't. Um, and there's a powerful um, idea there for us in that we need to have our eyes and hearts open to be able to see what God is doing. Mm. Uh, God is constantly revealing himself um, through his word, um, through... Um, supernatural acts of Jesus. Yeah. Um, God is at work in this world and he's everywhere to be seen for those who want to see. Yeah. And I, I can't help but put my 
myself in the shoes of the rich man here because he says, well, he mentions this about his family, but if if he says if someone from the dead was to come back to them, they would repent. Yes. Like we we always add some sort of requirement. Like God, if you will show me mm. X Y Z. I will believe in you 100%. Like it, it used to be like, oh, if you give me an A on this test, like I right. will believe in you for right. the rest of my life. And we keep like, moving the bar, though, yes, don't we? Yes, yes. Really do. And it's interesting, too, this man is very concerned about his family. Mm-hmm. It would have been very great if he could have been concerned about his family in life. Mm. In, in life, he could have set an example. Mm-hmm. In life, he could have shared words of hope and encouragement in, in life. He could have um, been an instrument for his family's salvation in helping them to put their trust and faith in God too. Mm-hmm. But that was not his concern in life. And it seems like from just the context of the story that they are on the same path that yes. he is on yeah. or that he was on. Shrink it all down. Ooh. <laughs> if you if you were to shrink it all down, what what's the big takeaway here? We are made for eternity. Mm. We will all die mm-hmm. and face judgment. Mm. But our, our destiny is not the same. There is a heaven. There is a hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our relationship with Jesus that determines our eternal destiny. Our relationship with Jesus fuels a compassion and a love and a care for people uh, that moves us out of our natural tendency for selfishness and allows us to see the needs of the people around us Mm. and to respond to those needs through the power that that lives within us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, So even though in some ways this parable fits into an Old Testament context uh, with Abraham, um, it's relevant to us because it's Jesus who's speaking these words and he, he... it's in our New Testament. I mean, it's in, yeah, it's, yeah. It's framed as an application of those who who will one day believe in the one who has risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to Deep Dive for Life. Thank you so much for tuning in to our show this week. We'll be back next week with another bit of scripture to dive into. Remember to reach out to us at deepdiveforlife at gmail.com with any questions you may have for us to cover in the show. Thanks again. And remember to keep diving, friends. Thank you.